dedication. We are parenting for liberation. It's a new generation. We got dedication. We're so, hi, I'm Trina Green Brown. I am the creator of Parenting for Liberation, and I describe my parenting identity as um, being a mother of two children, one biological and one as a bonus child that was given to me by marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, and I parent them, co-parent them with my partner in Los Angeles, California. And um, the project that I created is really about, is really rooted in their liberation. So like, what can I do to be the best parent that's most liberated and uninhibited so that they can also be free, whole, carefree Black children in a day and age where that's not what their mm-hmm. life is set up to be by the world. Right. So that's what I'm up to over here in Southern California. What about y'all? <laughs> hey, Trina. <laughs> hey. Um, I'm Ignacio Rivera. I'm Mandy Rivera or Amanda. And we do um, our online talk show called Pure Love or Pure Love Talks, if you're looking for it on YouTube. And uh, you want to say a little bit about it? Well, um, it basically is about um, like an it just interactive continuing dialogue between parents and their children or guardians and, you know, however other words you want to use for, you know, that dynamic um, about sex, sexual education, um, just everything that it entails to combat, prevent, um, stop, uh, eliminate child sexual abuse. Yeah. Yeah. So we do our show to kind of share, storytell, the good, the bad, the ugly on, you know, what it is to be a parent and talk about these really hard topics and, but really like push the envelope and actually talking about it and then like dissecting what is sex education. Yes. And I love that y'all do it together, like a little dynamic duo over there. Um, Yeah. I totally need this conversation because I'm just going to admit, I have not Although I'm parenting for liberation, I have not been the most liberated when it comes to talking about sexuality. Not that I've been super conservative. It's just like, if I don't talk about it, we won't talk about it, which is probably the worst thing, right? Which I know is the worst thing. Um, and, and I'll just also admit, like, I've been doing work in gender-based violence for the longest, right? Like, my most of my career, even from when I was carrying my child in, in, in utero, I was working in gender-based violence. So I was like, I'm supposed to know how to do this. And then now that I have a child, I'm like, I don't know how to do this. <laughs> so, so he's nine. <clears throat> she's 14. I, I know, like, the 14-year-old, I'm like, I'm like, I'm just praying that her mom is talking to her about this. Um, because I'm like, is that my place to talk about this with her? Do I talk about it with her, like, the cool stepmom? Um, but for my son, I can't just assume that his dad is doing it, like, I need to get on my game. So thank you. I need your help. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I would say, you know, like a lot of people uh, down themselves and get really, you know, hard on themselves when they don't do it or they say they didn't do it right. And really, you know, everybody does it in their own way. What I'm trying to push is that we're actually having the conversation. No matter if we fumble, we might not know all of the stuff, but just making it normal. You know, just making it normal. I feel like like um, having these conversations is almost like 
when your child or teenager or whatever is actually experiencing it's like almost the same like you have no idea what's going on or what's going to happen or how is it going to be who is it going to be with but you know you just figure it out as you go along you make mistakes and you grow and you learn what not to do who not to you know deal with what your boundaries are i feel like that's the same thing with talking to your kids about sex too because there's never a right time except all the time and I feel like as a co-parent, you know, it is, you know, your place to discuss these things. If you're a family, you know, it shouldn't just be like, well, biologically, you know, you belong to them. So you have right. that conversation. It should be the both of you as well as, you know, the other parent, you know, yeah. the biological parent of your daughter and yeah. as well as talking to the father of your son to see if you guys can collaborate or if he has said anything, what information has he given, you yeah. know, so you can maybe piggyback off of that or see where you need to fill in the gaps. Cause sometimes, mm. you know, men leave a lot to the imagination. <laughs> so, you know, it's, I feel like it's better to be <laughs> Yes. I feel like not necessarily like a binary view, but just like, you know, you have a female perspective, you have a male perspective, and then you have like, a step parent perspective or an older sister perspective, you know, like I feel like all that will encompass and come together and make it a, a broader education for your son and for your stepdaughter as well. Yeah. It's yeah. Just, uh, what I say, like the community based like model of like sexuality education, because we we see it as such a private thing, you know, and, right. and of course, I think in some aspects, yes, sex and sexuality is a private thing. But it is also a very, very public thing, and we don't acknowledge that. It's super public because it's everywhere, right? We're sexualized right. from the right. beginning. And yeah. now we're in a world now where, I mean, everything is at our fingertips, on our phone, on, you know, right. so the information is out there. It's there. <laughs> so um, Social media, too. Yeah, so everyone has a say in our sex and sexuality, and it is shaped by what we see and all that, so because it's all around us it is that community base and it's really hard like that that um that line right if you're a co-parent or if you're the step parent do you have a conversation with the other parent and say hey since your child spends some time with me what would you like for me to share with them or what have you talked mm -hmm. about and that and now those are hard conversations because one you don't know people have different styles of talking um, there might be, uh, you know, some um, some issues there that's really tough. There you know, be religious or cultural barriers between yeah. like, what kind of information you want to give too. Yeah. So it's a tough. It's a tough thing. It's. A, it, I think you constantly have to be working with it. Yeah. I think a, a you should an icebreaker. You know, like I would suggest just not. I mean, like kind of bringing it up, but not as a it's a one conversation thing. Cause I feel like that adds a lot of pressure to the both of you. Cause you're both like, Oh my God, we're building up to this conversation. Oh my God. It's like when you get that text message, like we need to talk and you're like, shit, I'm in trouble. So it's better. Like, what did I do? How did I like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. What did I do? Like, you know, not, it's more than once. It's mm -hmm. all the time in different aspects or cause you can talk about relationships or actual sex or masturbation or, sexual violence or you know all these things come up you might see a movie together and it might bring up something they might see something on social media that could spark something even if you just ask about their day like you can find something to kind of like latch on to to turn it into 
an opening for that or just let them know like you know if you want to talk i'm here you know it could be about anything and then once the conversation starts you can open more doors to more things Mm. you know that's really helpful because when i hear y'all talk about how to talk about sex and sexuality it's like that's the way that i've been talking to them about racism right Mm. like it's not a one-time thing it shows up in a movie or it happens Mm -hmm. in a book or you know inequality and i spend all this time talking about like racial equity and fighting for justice. And so I spent, and th- those are hard conversations too. Yeah. And I still push myself to have them and figure out the right language. And yeah, things come up on social media where like someone is shot. So then I'm like, this teenager already knows before I can tell her. So let mm-hmm. me talk to her about it. So, so all of that happens and I still feel like able to step into those conversations. And so I really appreciate y'all naming the ways um, that I can step in and not shy away from the conversation. And I'll just like a name growing up in a super, I wouldn't say we we're super religious, but like I became super religious more so than my parents at one point. But growing up in that, in that culture, like a super um, Christian culture, it was like taboo to talk about anything beyond abstinence, right? Like you were just supposed to be a virgin and that was just it. And like, you didn't need to know nothing about your own biology, your own sexuality or intimacy. Um, None of that was supposed to be happening. And so I'm not raising my children with that frame, but because I don't have, this is not an excuse, right? But like, I don't have examples of how to have the conversation. Well, now I do, (laughs) right? Like learning how to do it. I was like, dang, did you document this process when Mandy was younger? Cause like, I want to see videos of like, how did you talk about that? (laughs) I mean, it was, was, it's nice to talk about this now as she is an adult, uh, you know, an adult woman now. (laughs) And what, what actually like happened as we were doing it. Like we, I brought it up constantly throughout her entire life some moments she was easy to talk to about it other moments she was like oh my god that's so gross why are you talking to me about that it's disgusting you know (laughs) but i kept i kept it moving i kept on talking about it. i kept on bringing it up and one day (laughs) i remember she said something like verbatim uh, how i used to tell her and i was like oh shit she is listening yeah (laughs) because i thought she's not listening because i'm giving her condoms and dental dams and talking about you know asking her if she's if she's heterosexual or queer or this and she's like oh my god could you just like <laughs> leave me alone <laughs> and i was like i'm gonna keep talking to you and then it was then it, it kind of all was there like everything was filed away and so everything that i was saying wasn't being lost it was actually being stored and used and really her friends ended up like going to her. Like she was the go-to to ask about certain A things. A lot of peer <laughs> The peer educator. Yes, even before I was sexually active, my friends were asking me for, about stuff and I'm like, <laughs> I haven't done anything. I'm like, I just know a lot. Like, but I know. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, but I do know this. Like even now, like I have friends, like a lot of the times it's my male friends that I have mm-hmm. to teach about female anatomy a lot. And it drives me crazy. Because <laughs> um, they... they they believe all these myths. And I'm like, if we had sex ed in school, like real sex ed, that would eliminate a lot. And if the parents were doing it at home too, that would eliminate the other half of it. Because I'm just like, I have a friend who's 20, 22, 23, and thinks that if a woman is on top, she can't get pregnant because of gravity. And I'm just like, <laughs> what? <laughs> what? 
But I'm like, I hope that you are not in that I situation. I hope that is not your birth control method. Yeah, right. I hope that's not it. But right. and I, I'm giggling, but I shouldn't even laugh because it's real. Like they really believe it. It's real, and it's also, um, uh, you know, it's about. It, there's so many reasons why we get this misinformation. It's fear. It's 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 misogyny. It's you know, like there's there's so much stuff that goes into the misinformation of our own bodies, and you know, and what how our bodies work about desire, about love. You know, we we literally have a cookie cutter model for everyone. And that is you look for someone, well, first of all, it's a heterosexual model. And then you find someone, you date for a little while, you're in love, you get married, you have children, right? And then the, the rules even within that, how you're not supposed to have friends of the opposite sex. And, and this is what it means to love someone. You know, if the you're forever. a real woman, you're like this. If you're a real man, you do this. Right. And it's like the forever thing. There's so many. And none of, I think those by themselves as the only, you know, thing doesn't work. If it's in the context of the, this is one of many ways that this could happen, then it's a different conversation we're having. So it, it really like broadens the, the idea of what, sex is and and really when i say sex i've said this a million times it's just like it's not just insertion we're not talking about insertion and pregnancy impossible sti that's like the limited version of it right it's penetration period so much more like so much more When, when i think about how kids form friendships when when children are able to create their own boundaries to say, no, I don't like that. Or I would like to do this. And no, I don't want to do that. That's, that's sex education. That's, that's building the blocks for consent in the mm-hmm. future right? that they have a strong understanding of their own personal space and to trust their gut when something feels wrong because children feel it. They have that gut instinct and they don't trust it a lot of the times. Um, and because it, it's not backed up by information uh, or it's um, it's catapulted by fear, right? So mm-hmm. so it's about, and I like what you say, you know, you say you want to raise your child, you know, in this way that, that, that eliminates the fear, right? And when we're talking about race and class, but it's also the same around sex and sexuality. This, it's completely fear-based. Everything is scary about it. And yeah, there are some scary things. They are, but there are some beautiful and wonderful things there too that we should know about. Yeah. yeah. I remember um, earlier, Mandy, you were saying that the information's out there and the conversations need to be had. And I was telling Ignacio before that um, I realized that my son had a definition of sex because I kept saying sexism. So here I am teaching this like lofty concept around sexism and equality because, you know, I always get into my theoretical, like (laughs) it's equal between the genders. What are you talking about? Um, That's misogyny. And then I keep saying sexism. Right. And he's like, why do you keep saying that word? Ew. And I was like, sexism. (laughs) And he's like, yeah, but if you don't say the ism, you're saying that word. And I was like, that word. I was like, how do you know what that word is? What does that word mean? He's like, I don't want to talk about this with you. (laughs) Ignacio, as you were describing, talking to Mandy about it, I sometimes like, ew, I don't want to talk to you about it. And I just like kept going and digging. And then I found myself in some place with him learning that he learned about it from his fellow third grader. Yeah. Um, And I'm like, how does this third grader describe it? 
and right. it was it was super heteronormative and it was all about like sex but not anything else outside of it it was about two people laying in a bed right mm-hmm. and it was a husband and a wife or a girlfriend and a boyfriend so it was still within the, the frame right. um <clears throat> and i was just like okay that is your definition of sex and then i had no other definition well i had other definitions but i just felt so stuck like okay i guess i'll let you sit there with that definition for now but i feel like it's time for me to like reapproach and be like so remember we were talking about sex and i know he's gonna be like eh, no mm-hmm. um but i feel like i gotta re-engage um and move beyond that like limited binary idea of what sex is and also expand sex to beyond penetration to sexuality mm-hmm. um so i need tools from y'all about how to like reapproach the conversation yes yes I mean, I, I've, I've said this um, um, several times on different um, blogs or um, podcasts that these, these are some of the things that I used um, that were really simple, but were really, really um, great. And it was on, one of them was on the, um, the zine that just came out for survivors, right? So it's a kind of Skillshare for survivors um, that was put out by Gather Together in Baltimore. And um, so one is, so some people say, I'm so nervous about talking about sex and sometimes my child doesn't want to talk about it. So one way that I used to do it uh, with Mandy was like a sex education by proxy, right? And so for me, that meant uh, that I was, you know how when you hang out at the house and you're talking with your girlfriend or other adults, right? And your kids are kind of hanging around and you know they're listening, right? <laughs> they're just like they the antenna. They, they know they are, right? And they are just For waiting. some reason, I think my son might literally tune us out, though. <laughs> <laughs> he might. He might be like, they talking. Well, if you do have a child that listens, <laughs> Then Still this listening. might work. That this might work. This might work so for the teen. <laughs> it's um conversation by proxy. So you would have a conversation with your friend about whatever topic it is, about sex, about a thing that happened, um, anything that you think that directly talking to them will make them feel embarrassed. And you would give your point of view, your whatever things that come up for you. You kind of talk about it. indirectly kind of right and and wholly with this person they're listening to how you react how you um understand something to be how uh what's important to you they get it in that way so they're listening but you're not really talking to them directly I'm going to just have a fake cell phone conversation one day. Yes, exactly. Yeah, they wouldn't exactly. know. <laughs> I'm going to be in the car on the way to work, off. on the way to school, and be like... Yeah. Make sure it's on vibrate or silent, though, because then you'll get embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> right? Getting, oh. <laughs> I'm like, oh, what? We had a disconnection? <laughs> um, another um, way that I... Uh, one thing that I did with her um, was the um, No Repercussions Day. <laughs> No Repercussions Day was a day that we would go to a cafe and sit and just like get tea and snacks and things. And it was an opportunity for her to ask me or tell me anything she wanted to at all. And she could confess to anything and she would not have any repercussions for that. So, but I could ask follow-up questions and we could go back and forth and discuss it. Right, because one thing with uh, 
young people, a lot of times they're scared. They're totally terrified to bring something up. And you could you could actually pick the category, right? So it's like Jeopardy type. You know, like what's the category? The category is sex or the category is race and class, the category, whatever the category is. So within that framework, um, what, what do you want to talk about? Anything at all, you can't get in trouble. And I could do the same. So we go back and forth on that. That worked really nicely because she would say things that I, you know, and I was like, wow, if I wouldn't have done that, she probably would have never brought that up. Right. Mm. Um, cool. also You're bring them super liberated for that because you know, you promise no repercussions and you'd be like, oh my goodness, I cannot believe you did that. Yeah, is this and a trap? You gotta hold to your word. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. It's actually showing them too that they can trust you. Right. They, that what you're saying, your word is your bond. Like if you say you are not gonna get in trouble, you're not gonna get in trouble. And you don't have and if you don't have to process it, you know, you can set up the, the parameters the way you would like. And y'all can come up with those parameters together. Mm -hmm. That also shows good boundary setting. And negotiation, you're negotiating what it could look like and then do it. And then you say, you know, you could easily say, wow, that was a big one. Okay, let me let me digest that. But as I said, no repercussions. Okay, so let me answer it. And then you just move past it and go on. And that is really helpful. Um, and one of the things I, I, I often say to folks too is, and I did this before with her, I would say not to uh, put all your hopes in telling your children, you know, if you have anything you want to talk to me about, you can come talk to me. Not to put all your eggs in that basket. Because I think some people would say to their kids, I'm, I always left the door open. I always told them they could come talk to me. But it's really, it is putting it all on them to actually have the courage to come to you and say something. So, I mean, it's okay to say that, but that I don't think it's something to rely on. I think right. as parents, as guardians and parents and all that, it is our job. We have to, we have to push through it. Even when they say, leave me the hell alone, you're going to keep mm -hmm. talking about it <laughs> because, because right. it is the, it is a life skill. It is an absolute life skill that um, permeates throughout our entire lives. You know, like how we talk to people, how we form friendships, the relationships we have, how we um, how we have sex, if we have sex, if we even like That's sex. Okay too. Right. So it is. There's a lot of different ways to think about it because I doubt that any parent. Oh, I shouldn't say that. Let me take that back. I doubt that many parents um, think about sex education and bring up asexuality with their children. No. I don't think so. Um, because that is a topic of sex. You it, know? I feel like our society is so sex-driven that we can't even imagine a person not wanting it at all. It's mm -hmm. just like, that wasn't even, like a lot of people, that's not even an option, like even in schools. Like it was a while before I even heard about what asexual was and what it meant. I didn't even know that was a, like a thing or oh, not a thing, but I didn't know that people were like that. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, if imagine if people knew that when they were younger and what if they like discovered that that was them, yeah. like, how do you talk to your kid about that? Or like, how do you have these conversations with them when they're not even sure of their own sexuality yet or them, their own bodies, if they've even explored their own bodies, things like that. So that also goes into it. Yeah. I also think, um, storytelling 
uh, a lot of parents don't like to do this. A lot of parents, I think in terms of sometimes we don't share things because it gives us leverage with our children. And so I often talk about power dynamic as a parent. As parents, we have power over our children. And a lot of, a lot of times we use that power, right? We use that power all the time. And so sometimes we don't want to share um, and, and sharing often humanizes us uh, and makes us vulnerable. And I think the big thing, we have to make ourselves vulnerable. So our, if we want our kids to open up and talk to us about the thing that they're going to do for the first time, the first kiss, sex, talking about, you know, uh, um, you know, um, pregnancy prevention or STIs, relationships, um, you know, queerness, polyamory, monogamy, kink, kink all of these things, um, we, we have to give a little too, you know, because for most parents, we're like, um, it's like uh, this little fantasy thing. We don't really know much about it. You just kind of see it or you don't. <laughs> and that's it. Right. That's why most people think of when they think of their parents as sexual beings, it's like, oh, my God, gross. Ew. Yeah. Like, you don't want to think about your parents having sex. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you thinking that head, huh? <laughs> <laughs> There's not enough therapy in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, see, you told you just said that we're supposed to share with our kids. Mandy, like, mm -mm, no, I mean, you, you can share, but that's the visual aspect. It's like, <laughs> I don't know how else to share without telling the story. <laughs> Let's just take just a, a little less adjectives. <laughs> a little less adjectives. <laughs> Not so descriptive. <laughs> I mean, for one example for me uh, was uh, I shared with her about my relationships, uh, what I was going through when I was sad, when things were going good, and really when things went bad. Like, I cried to her. I would cry to her and tell her, this person hurt my feelings or I'm hurt or they're an asshole or the, you know, whatever it was, she really got to engage with me ab about my relationships, like what I was struggling with. And we were talking back and forth about it, you know, and she comforted me and she saw that I was a real person. Yeah. <laughs> and actually like, it made me feel like a sense of pride and made me feel good. Like, wow, like my mom is talking to me about stuff. Like you're asking <laughs> me for advice. Like, and you're listening to me. <laughs> that's a, that was, that's a big thing. Cause I know a lot of parents like, well, I don't know personally a lot of parents, but I know a few of my friends dealing with their mm -hmm. parents, they weren't allowed to like get an access to a personal story. And on top of that, give an opinion mm -hmm. yeah, and not be like, girl folks business. Yeah, it's exactly grown folks, grown folks conversation. Yes, yes. Yeah. So but, um, I mean, I think that's really important. And like, just to play devil's advocate, like I've also heard people say, like, I've been in different parent workshops and it's like, um, people say like, don't burden your child with your problems. Don't burden your child with your, mm -hmm. I don't know, troubles. And, but hearing you describe it, it actually created a way for connection and bonding, mm -hmm. you know, to be able to share. And like, I'm like, how do people figure out that balance? Like, I don't know if we're supposed to be superhuman or superheroes to our kids and never have problems, which I feel like is unrealistic. Um, yeah, so just hearing you give this example, I'm like, yes, I'm all for it. And then I remember in other workshops, people are like, you know, you need to figure out your own way to heal and don't bring your pain to your kid because it's too much for them to handle. And I was like, what? 
Yeah, I, I think, you know, I think it really does depend, right? Because every child is not the same, right? And so there is never going to be a cookie cutter model to, to raise our children, right? So if we can take some of those advice, you know, and then we put in what works for us. So a lot of people ask me, what is age appropriate? What is age appropriate, right? And so there are lots of books that say from age two to this, from six to the, you know, they and, and different books say different things. And I try... I don't, I don't um, concentrate too much on really getting specific about, okay, at age two, you do this, at age six, you do this, because if the point of the, my work at the HEAL Project and through Pure Love, my work um, basically is about the relationship that we have with our children. Mm. If we are forming the relationship with our children, we kind of get a sense of what they can and cannot handle, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, most likely, not all the time, most likely. And we're also human people. We fuck up. It's okay. Right. And it's, okay. I, it, okay. it's okay. It's totally okay. It's okay if we realize it and we fix it and we move on, right? Because that, that whole thing about being, you know, superhuman, uh, sometimes we, we make ourselves sick um, uh, with that, you know? So it's like we we can have a relationship with our children we can figure what is good to tell them what is not um and people get bogged down by you know they say well you you talk about kink you know i'm not talking to my six-year-old about kink and i'm like no you wouldn't under those <laughs> layers to it and there's still lessons in right. teaching about kink like consent and boundaries exactly. and communication right. and there's still things age appropriate that you can pull out of that conversation right for your child I love the piece about the relationships. Oh, I'm sorry. Where are you talking, Randy? No, I was just going to say, like, I work with children, so I try to find little ways to teach them about consent and things, too, because I'm like, mm -hmm. we are, the rape culture is ridiculous. So I, like, I try to teach them about consent in ways, like, if they get upset because a kid is not sharing a toy with them or something, I go up to them and I'm like, okay, like, what's going on? Why are you crying? Like, what's going on? And they're like, well, she didn't want to give me her toy. And then I'm just like, well, that's okay. Let's her toy. So she has the choice whether to say yes or no. So you can ask her and then she can give you an answer. And you may not like that answer, but you can't do anything about that because that belongs to her. So that's her choice to make. So like little by little, I give them lessons like that. And then they'll be like, oh, okay. So I'm like, so go ask and mm -hmm. see what they say. Because I'm not going to tell her to give you her toy because that's her toy. That's her choice to make. So mm -hmm. you can ask her. And then when you get her answered, then we move on from there. Mm -hmm. So I try to do that with them, like just little, little things like that, because they may not realize it now, but later on, maybe another situation might arise and they'll be like, wait, let me make sure that's okay before I do that. So mm -hmm. if you do that, then, I mean, that's great right there. Thinking before you act on something could save somebody's life. Mm. Yeah. And it also helps that, you know, in the example you gave the, the little girl, right? Um, be able to use her voice and like make choices about her body or her objects or what belongs to her in ways that I can hear that same story playing out where I can hear someone telling the little girl like, oh, you should share, be nice and all of that. Like the, like you said, the rape culture is so real in our, in our culture um, that it even is like playing out in young children's relationships around boundaries and consent. Um, so yeah. I know that y'all do this project and it's explicitly about ending or preventing um, 
sexual violence. Um, what what inspired y'all to make the connection between healthy sexuality and talking to young people and your children about it and preventing sexual violence? Mm, uh, well, it started with the the fellowship that I have now that uh, helped me to be able to create the Heal Project. So the Heal Project uh, stands for Hidden Encounters, Altered Lives, and it was a fellowship uh, um, for specifically around um, interrogating, ending, you know, um, uh, child sexual abuse. So they wanted people to give um, innovative ideas on how this could happen. And so we had eight fellows of color uh, and uh, or eight survivors of color who are now fellows and then 10 organizations already doing the work um, and they got funding as well. And so my the platform that I thought about because I have been doing radical sex education and doing my work has just been immersed in sex, sex and gender, sex and gender on a, a variety of different ways. And I think one of the reasons why it's been that way, because it's been my journey as a survivor, it has been my journey in trying to find my own connection to my own body, my own desire, what that meant. And for so many years, how messed up that was mm -hmm. and how I almost screwed this child up when I had her uh, because I was so in the beginning of my, um, my healing uh, from in, in my survivorship. So, in in my own work and and also talking to other survivors and asking the questions about um just talking to them sex comes up a lot which is interesting because when we talk about sex education or we think about rape culture sexual violence children are completely eliminated from that conversation mm -hmm. so children are left out of sex education and they're left out of the big work that has been getting done for a long time around, you know, sexual violence or anti-sexual violence against women, girls, people in general, right? And so how can we, how can we even discuss rape culture or how can we even discuss sexual violence if children are not a part of that? And so the link for me is uh, um, sex or the abstinence of the sex conversations because even when we talk about rape culture we only talk about it or rape we only talk about it in the context of it is not about sex it is about power and control and i believe yes it is about power and control and yes it is about sex to take sex away from it uh really it, it really just uh it really does a disservice and harm because sex is the very thing that it's is the a, violent it, act it's the violent act and it's the thing that is completely altered in survivors lives yeah. our sex yeah. <laughs> our sex is completely altered right whether we're hypersexual we don't have sex at all we're terrified of it of relationships all of it and there is a clear connection between being a survivor of csa child sexual abuse and of being a survivor of domestic violence and rape as an adult so right. there's the link right there and so we need to be talking about that because if 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 we go to conferences and you know um and organizations doing work on that front there has to be work being done on the other end as well there has to be um and so that's why through that project um, I wanted to do that, but as people were asking, you know, like, so how do we do it? How do we, you know, 
are you going to write a book and this and that? And so uh, I don't know. I'm still thinking about the book. I know I'm going to be doing a toolkit. Uh, nice. But in the interim, as I'm trying to figure out what the toolkit is going to look like, I was like, storytelling. This is this is what people of color do. This is in our DNA, storytelling. Right. Right? Let's storytell about how we did it, like how the, the good stuff and the crappy stuff, because we need to show people that they're human. It's okay. This is a really touchy subject, but it is one of it is super super important to have these conversations yes i agree and i'm gonna do it i promise <laughs> i mean i'm already doing it but i'm gonna do it with much more intentionality um and i have some tools or tips to do it in a way that's more cre like that is creative you know with the like fake phone conversation i'm gonna have on like <laughs> and um yeah because in the car yes I know that he listens because he I'll hang up a phone call and he'll be like, Mom, why are we talking to so and so about so and so? And I'm like, Why are you in my business? <laughs> but it's like that's the time. It's like there's no other things that he could pay attention to because we're in the car, right? He's captive. Um, so I will totally apply some of those. And then you have this, you don't have your book yet or your toolkit yet, but you do have this um uh, chapter, I would say, in the zine. Um, and so we can totally share that. And I'm going to take some of those tips. And I think Mandy said some of them too. So I can tell that they're like living, breathing tips. They're not just like made up, right? Um, Y'all have practiced them. They're tried and true. And I think I heard you say too, Ignacio, that, you know, there is no cookie cutter. So I think it is going to be kind of hard to write a book, you know, um, because you like, once it's written in word, people like, will worship the written word and you're like wait but it's not a cookie cutter way so that's um, why it's you know think thinking about what 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 am i gonna how am i gonna convey this information what's the tool kit gonna look like because yeah it's always changing and i constantly say like as we say that gender is fluid and sexual orientation is fluid this is fluid it's always changing and evolving. So we have to be of the time and just really engaging with it constantly, you know? And I would always say too, ask your kids questions constantly. How kids ask us questions, sometimes we don't even have to say anything. We could prompt the conversation. For instance, I, uh, one way is uh, movies. Love it. Go watch a movie. Almost all movies have a thing about relationships even cartoons you know ask questions what do you think about that what do you think about how they did this and just keep asking keep asking as you get a sense of where your kid's head is at right from from all the media that they consume right. so what did how does that translate to my child and get that information once you have that information you could continue asking leading questions um and navigating them to look at other things. Oh, did you, can you think about it this way? What about this way? What about that person? Question after question is great because it's really making them think, 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 think. And believe me, especially with your teenagers, she'll just love to talk about her opinion. So she'll just talk and talk. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure your son too. A lot of the times, if you just wind them up, you just let them go and they'll just, you don't even have to do too much because they'll just be like, oh, mm -hmm. I've been waiting to talk to you or I didn't realize that I wanted to talk to you this bad. Mm -hmm. And so you have that conversation and they're like, wow, I want to keep doing this and I want to keep asking questions. So right. it might just take that one conversation about 
something random and connect it to something else and then that'll just it'll go off from there something about cars or trains i'll have to figure it out <laughs> <laughs> about his favorite movie with him and see what mm-hmm. aspects of it you can bring up um or like be like oh if you were in that situation what would you do how would you handle that or like what did you not like about that or how did that make you feel things like that think like those are open questions where it's not just a yes no so they'll have you'll have to get more information from them and then you can form an opinion about you know how you uh, like uh, attack this large Mm -hmm. large topic yeah i just had an idea about what would be a good tool that y'all could create Mm-hmm. It's like a card deck. Oh, like, this is one of the ideas. <laughs> I'm like, where you just like pull these cards. Cause like just as you're saying yeah. all the questions, I'm like, go watch a movie and here's 10 cards for the movie or the fake phone conversation. Here's 10 <laughs> cards to pull. Right. Um, because I'm just like, I need to write down the questions real quick. <laughs> right. But yeah, I'm like, that's an idea. Make a card deck or something. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, I'll say it over and over and over. It's uh, from birth to crossing over. That's what I always say. Mm. Birth to crossing over, you're con- I'm, we're still talking. We were just having a conversation about, you know, re- new relationships, you know, um, yesterday. <laughs> so just because I'm like, you know, you got to tell me who you're dating. I'm like, what's their name, blood type, where they live? <laughs> I need to know right? that. <laughs> right? So we're talking about that because it's real. Like, and those conversations, like you talk about, you know, um, you know, talking with your son about race, and uh, you know, I read where you said your your internalized oppression, which when, is you huge. Know, when your kids, you know, black kids talk about wanting to be white, and you know, tackling that conversation with your children, it's the same with sex education, right? Because I often say there is no way um, I could have talked to my child about sex education without talking about race, colorism, fat phobia, you know, patriarchy. Mm-hmm. There's no, th- it's not a conversation if I'm not talking about that because all I'm doing is painting a pretty picture. I need to tell her. Oh, and, that, and I know that some people say we can't scare our children. It's not about scaring. And I don't say anything to scare her and I don't dump all of this on her, but we are talking constantly about what it is. For my child, when she was, you know, going to a school where she was one of two black children in her grade, right? So all the all the little boys, right, were white boys, and that conversation about her crushing on white little boys and what they saw when they looked at her, and you know, so that added to that conversation. Yeah, yeah, that added to a whole bunch of internalized everything because I'm just like right. I'm too fat, I'm too black, I'm too tall, I'm too loud, I'm too poor, I'm too this, like I'm right. too opinionated, I'm too all these things that made me a scary black woman for them, but for somebody else, it wasn't scary. Right. So, you know, but you have to let them know, like, don't think that your environment right now dictates who you are. Right. Yes. That sounds like my son and my daughter's school. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm always like, I'm starting to think about that. Like, Oh, when they start, if they already are, they might have already like start crushing on people. I'm like, what is that dynamic going to be like? Um, I'm like, it ain't a lot of options of people of color to choose from. So your options are limited. So like, you're going to like somebody (laughs) or maybe not, but just like that. So that does help me think about like, there is racialized dynamics that would probably, because of the way that we talk now, would like actually be a good entry point. Mm -hmm. And then we can go deeper into um, the sexuality because right now he's just so used to me talking about race. (laughs) 
I mean, that's very, very important. I mean, especially him being a black male in this country. Oh, yeah. You know, he's a target on him 24-7. That's scary, and that's, it angers me. So, you know, he has a lot on his plate, too, on top of dealing with consent and sex and everything else. Right. Well, this has been really helpful. Mm-hmm. Well, well, I had one question for you. Oh, okay. okay. Uh-oh. I wanted to ask you. I'm in the hot seat. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to ask you because um, you have parenting for liberation. So I wanted to ask you, what do you, uh, how do you identify liberation? Oh, that that has been the question of this whole project. Mm. And I'm like, I don't even have a definition, but because um, I feel like there is no one, like you said, there's no cookie cutter. Like liberation looks different for every person. Um, But I see it as twofold. Like it's a destination and a way of being. So like Mm. we're trying to get to this place of liberation where all children, black children are treated equally and fairly or not equally, equitably um, and have access and don't have that target on their backs and that they can walk freely without fear. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to get to that place. And then liberation is also a way of being because like we have to practice it every day. So in the way that we live and the way that we raise our children and the way that I talk to him and them and the way that I nurture them and the conversations that I have, like it has to be from a place of liberation. I can't be fear based in the way that I talk to them about anything, including sex and sexuality. And so it's, it's this twofold way of being and also the destination that we're trying to get to. So that's how I hold it. Yes, (laughs) that's right. So this is a new, this is my new call to action in terms of like, um, I, I feel like I'm, I would say I'm liberated when talking about sex and sexuality. I just got to actually start talking about it. Mm. (laughs) It's easy to be liberated when you ain't talking about it. Now I got to be about it and talk about it. (laughs) So appreciate this. And I will follow up with y'all and let y'all know how it goes. I'm I'm going to mess with you if I do the, if the, What did you say, Randy? I'm sorry. I'm giving you all the luck because I know you got two pre-pubescent and pubescent children. So (laughs) that's a difficult time period. So is it? Oh no, I should have did it earlier. (laughs) (laughs) One years old. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's gonna be good though. It'll be a good learning and growing and bonding experience for the three of you, the four or five of you, all the parents involved. Parents, that's the part. That's the work right there. Teamwork with the dream work. Same work. <laughs> now look at y'all two over there, dynamic duo over there. I was like, I gotta figure out how to get my kids involved in the podcast. Yeah. I've that could be a great way to break the ice. Yeah. Talk to them about the podcast and get their opinions and say, like, oh, let's do a little project together. You wanna be on camera with me? Do you mm. wanna do an interview? That might get your son excited. <laughs> it worked work for you. <laughs> yeah. nice. I feel famous now. Yeah. <laughs> about youtube and youtube (laughs) celebrities and instagram celebrities you could be like well you could be my youtube Mm co-celebrity if we do this together that that might actually be a good seller i might i might be able to use that one you know we are close to hollywood (laughs) i should do it all right i'm gonna try that we'll see (laughs) all right and i need y'all to hold me accountable um because that's also the part right is to have accountability buddies to um it takes a village with us yeah Yeah. appreciate y'all taking this time i really enjoy talking to y'all and i learned so much thank you thank Thank you you. all right y'all have a good night Bye. Bye. bye good luck